Welcome to another edition of WNXS News. I'm Janky. And I'm Kit Harding. Thank you for joining us. Our top story. In a surprising twist only two weeks after the official Kaldheim release, Wizards of the Coast started revealing some of the world-building and design details of Strixhaven. These reveals included upcoming new templating, background info on the schools, and booster pack and packaging info. We've heard that Strixhaven will be Magic's foray into a Magic School set, and now we're finally seeing that. Students attending Strixhaven divide into five colleges of magic based on their personality and aptitudes. In a little nod to British universities, which also refer to their subdivisions as colleges, their colleges were probably not founded by dragons the way Strixhaven's were, though. Dragons in London would be fun, though. And chaotic. Membership in these colleges is based on personality. Which we haven't seen anywhere before. Nowhere at all. Yes, this is a very original idea. <clears throat> to start us off, we have Prismari, the College of Red, Blue, and Emotional Magic, with the motto, Express Yourself with the Elements. So, drama kids. Yeah, drama kids. What kind of theatrical productions would they do at a magic school? Something with amazing special effects. True. The Black-White-Silver Quill School is more prone to engage in magical rat battles as their magic is based in the usage of words and living a life of sharp style, sharper wit. Sharp enough to cut your heart out? Not literally, I hope. It is magic. The Black Green School of Witherbloom hosts goth biomajors who get their power from living things. Whether working with zombies or cracking grim jokes, their motto of get your hands dirty is loud and clear in everything they do. We know what they're using to fertilize the gardens. I don't want to think about it. Let's think about Lorehold instead. They're red, white, and studious, using research and history to, fill it, to fuel their spells. Leave no stone unturned is their catchphrase. I thought study was more of a blue thing. Well, ordinarily it would be, but in this case, all the studious blue mages are off doing blue-green math magic in Quandrix. Magic through fractals and symmetry, making the mathemagicians. I've been doing some math, but it hasn't bent the laws of reality yet. I don't think you're doing it right, then. I think I'll stick with Prismari. I have a friend who's definitely a Quandrix, though. But you're more about emotions and self-expression. Well, I was a theater kid. Which one are you? Silverquill, I'm renowned for my punmanship. Is that like swordsmanship? Sharp enough to cut? That's why it's rapier-like. We also get to see a little bit more about some of the characters we can expect, as well as the product variations for Strixhaven. Diz is here to tell us all about it. Diz? We certainly did, Jank, and I don't know about anyone else, but I am absolutely thrilled about what we've seen so far. Strixhaven has given us all sorts of goodies, like five new commands, one for each of the five schools. For those unfamiliar, commands have famously been modal spells with four possible abilities. We can also see that Will and Rowan Kenrith are making a return, and it seems they've been getting physically fit in addition to practicing their magic. 
Five new commander decks, one for each school, were also announced, but perhaps the thing that's gotten the most attention from players is the Mystical Archive. This is a series of 63 cards that will be included in a special print format in all set, draft, and collector boosters. We've already seen Demonic Tutor, Opt, and Swords to Plowshares, so this is going to be a doozy of a bonus. Diz, does this mean we get Demonic Tutor and Swords to Plowshares in Standard? No, unfortunately they won't be. However, they will be legal and limited in draft. We also know that specifically on the Japanese draft and set boosters, these cards will get a unique art treatment. These will also be available in collector boosters of any language. On the command cards that were spoiled, I'm seeing some odd wording. Can you tell us what's going on with that? Well, Kit, it seems as though on sets starting with Strixhaven, we'll see the phrase converted mana cost replaced with mana value. Not only that, but we'll also see Shuffle Your Library shortened to just Shuffle. Players have presented some mixed feelings about these, to say the least. Diz, we've also seen the Times Five Remastered spoilers have started. What can you tell us about that? I'm glad you asked. It seems like we're getting spoilers in color order, so we've seen a hefty amount of white cards already. Split Second is making a return right alongside some classic slivers and even some gold old suspend cards. It's not just a set of reprints of Time Sparrow block cards. Some cards that were only ever printed in the modern card frame will be featured with the old border, like Containment Priest and Path to Exile. We've also seen player favorites like Thoughtseize, Cryptic Command, and Ponder, with many more to come. Time Spiral Remaster will be out March 19th, and Strixhaven will release on April 23rd. Jank? Thanks, Diz. Over the last year, we've seen a rise in community interest in the art of magic, and we'll talk more about that after this short break. Well, hey there, everybody. This is your good old friend Frank here from Frank's Used Card Emporium. I'm here to tell y'all we still got the best deals you're gonna find in all of Ravnica. And I'm here with an exciting new announcement. We done opened us up a whole new branch down in the 8th District. We're moving on up in the world, y'all. We still got our old location. We got this new one, too. And as a special promotion, we're going to give you six days, 0% financing on any card purchase over 99 cents. If you need it, if not, we're still taking in your trade-ins. We're still taking in your lotuses, loti, lotuses, lotusi. We're taking them all in. We're taking your time walks. We're taking your swords. We're taking your feasts. We're taking everything you got, and we'll give you some, something in return. You just come on down, visit us still on 10th Street, but now in the 8th District as well. Y'all come on back, tell them Frank sent you. I might just be there. Welcome back. The community interest in magic art has always been high, but over the last year, that interest has skyrocketed. It makes sense people would see it as a good distraction during this highly stressful year. That's exactly right. We've especially seen an increase in notice in the card altar community. So we spoke with noted digital artist Sheepwave to explore that field. Uh, Sheepwave, thank you for sitting down with us for this interview. Thank you for having me on. It's our pleasure. We're always looking for phenomenal community members like yourself to interview and talk about themselves. And in that spirit, why don't you tell us in your own words who you are and what it is that you do? So I am Sheepwave, uh, also go by Megan. 
Megan Burden. That, that's, you know, my real name. Um, I am first and foremost a fan artist. Uh, I'm working in pixels, both large and small, um, digi doing digital art, mainly centered around Magic the Gathering fan art um, and card stuff, though I've also been branching out into D&D &D a bit recently because I've been getting into that and that scene. Uh, I also occasionally do like cosplay stuff or YouTube videos where I make long, rambling, weird, nuanced points about philosophy. Um, so yeah, I do like a lot of a, a bunch of little things, but I'm mainly known for my art. Okay. Um, lately, a lot of what you do being proxies has been tainted by, unfortunately, counterfeit card makers. What's the primary difference between that and what you do? Well, so yeah, that word proxy is, um, it's a hot button issue. It's also a case of where people can be saying the same word, but mean, meaning different things. Um, so anytime that I talk about making proxies, what I am talking about making are cards that, um, when, when I make card art with my digit, you know, my like digital cards, um, Usually the, the actual image is called a digital altar. Um, a proxy is when that digital altar is then printed onto a card. Um, however, when I'm saying proxy, I am talking about things that are not for sale and have uh, the, the card backs are specifically label them as not being for sale, not official cards, all that. Um, some people say when they say proxy, they mean counterfeit, which is a card that is attempting to be convincing as a real card. Um, proxy can also mean like somebody goes and prints out, like they download pictures off Scryfall, they print it out on like desktop paper and cut that out. Like that is also a thing that people use when they mean, when they use the word proxy, um, the, the proxies that I make are, are digital alters though, which is where I take an existing Magic the Gathering card. Um, I make a new art for it. I put it in a new frame and then, you know, I print that out. And I play with it in my own commander decks, and I also give those away for free to other people. But uh, yeah, very important part of that being kosher is the fact that they are never, ever for sale if they contain anything I don't own on them, such as mana symbols, rules text, uh, most card names, characters like uh, like planeswalkers or identifiable locations, and... Uh, I think that's, I think, and oh, and cer certain creature types that were actually created by wizards like Eldrazi and Saproling. Right. So, so yeah. So people can legally sell tokens that say certain things. I do. Or they can legally sell cards that don't have those elements. But mm -hmm. yeah, there is unfortunately lots and lots of people who illegally sell more or less. Um, well, of course, obviously there's people who are just selling cards that are attempting to be convincing. So there are also people who do the same kind of digital altering that I do, but then they print the cards out and sell them illegally, which is not cool, especially since the people who are already willing to cross wizards are also often willing to just steal my art. <laughs> it happens a lot. So yeah, that's what I do. How is it that you handle uh, the challenges that are presented to you by that, both by the people who are stealing your own art or the people you were just talking about who are just willing to cross wizards and intentionally sell fake cards. Um, there are, so it's complicated when somebody steals my art, I basically just scream at them until 
they take it down. I have not had to actually file a formal DMCA complaint yet. Um, I'm sure it will happen eventually. Um, it also happens a lot because some of the art I do, even though like, actually, I was going to say, even though it was originally tended as like art for a magic card, I put it on a t-shirt, but that's also true in the reverse. Um, some of my earliest work uh, and some best well, uh, most well known is like this lightning bolt that's got this like very like it's like made with three colors in the whole thing. That was actually a design I made for a shirt first, then later adapted into a magic card. But anytime I make a shirt that ends up getting popular, there's like bots that steal that, you know, part of being an artist on the internet is having your work stolen. It is just an unfortunate fact of it. You know, there's not much that you can do about it. Part of what you do is also commission based, right? So yeah, that is another one of those things where like the nature of the way that people work is I have to add all these legal disclaimers. Um, so yeah, I do art commissions. Um, people will commission me to draw like their personas or their OCs or something they like, or like they like, they want like a super like corrupted looking landscape. Um, and sometimes that means printing that art onto cards. Now, when I when someone has given me money to make something, I I will never I can never ever ever give them a version of that thing that they paid me money for that has Watsi IP on it like ever, which is which is ironic because like like someone has like if someone commissions me to do art and then I put that on like like I give them a commission version that is just the art and like maybe like like a name that's like kind of evocative of what it might be but again it doesn't. It's up to them to to explain like this big worm looking thing is meant to represent Thromok specifically. Like there's nothing on the card that says like this worm thing is Thromok. Um the 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 most popular thing I do is actually like people people love having like basic lands, so to speak, that are just completely custom art that really fit the vibe of like what they want to be. And you know, if you look at it, if you look at a landscape and it's like that sure is that sure does look like an island. You don't need any text on the card. So um that is a that is a very popular thing. But so so yeah, that's the legal disclaimer for for the the art commissions I do is never ever ever do I print anything that has uh Watsi owned um Watsi owned copyright on it to give to someone who has paid me money ever. So yeah, now that we've got the, the 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 long legal disclaimer out of the way, yeah, commissions are like really fun because I get to I get to I get to challenge myself a lot more. Um, and you know, like only about half the the art commissions I get are intended for cards anyway. Like p part of moving into D and D more is I've been doing a lot of commissions that are um that are like. Well, here's like somebody's like, "Hey, can you draw my D and D character for my character sheet?" And I'm like, "Yeah." What's funny is that I then often will put that art on a magic card, but the person who commissioned me never asked for that, and I'm not sending them a copy. It's just like once I've made the art, I'm like, I mean, I like doing this. So, moving on into your cosplay, uh, it's one it's one thing that I'm not gonna say you're not known for, but you I would say you're probably less known for than your artwork. Um, oh, for sure. <laughs> When, so I'm going to ask a few of the same questions. When did you first start doing cosplays and uh, 
take us take us through a couple of your favorites and i'm just gonna ask that you definitely hit on princess waluigi just because i i have to know <laughs> so um so like doing cosplay like in the in the modern my modern era so to speak as as this person that i am today um did actually start with uh princess waluigi uh this was this was right after the Bowsette thing really, really went oh. like went big. So, so this the, the anime convention I went to had lots and lots of people doing like Mario, but it's it's like it's like a princess, like some like some Mario enemy. I have like I have like tons of photos. Um, I had a crown that was made of like garbage bags and fake hundred dollar bills. It was great. <laughs> um. So yeah, that 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 was kind of where I started. Um it, it's it's been like a casual thing. Um I've done like a little bit like 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 I I've been having some fun with TikTok recently and like it's it's just it's TikTok is a weird 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 platform, but it's mm. it's fun to like get get all dressed up and pretty in some like weird weird outfit and be like now I'm going to do this silly skit. Um I think I think the cosplay I did that mo the most people saw was when I did E Girl Jace. I remember. Uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> e Girl Jace. I, I went I went to the store. I bought a, a blue Monster Energy, which is still around here somewhere because I don't drink that. I do not drink that substance. Um, I went and did like the reflective makeup and and pranced around in 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 a bizarre outfit. Um, the thing I'm actually currently working on, um, outfit-wise, is I have a Oko, but that is actually, that's not just for, like, that's not, like, just for the sake of doing Oko. Um, I'm actually going to be making a YouTube video where I talk about, um, I don't want to reveal too much, but it's about powerful cards and their effect on people's engagement with a with the video with not the video game with the game magic the gathering where um i'm going to be narrating it and like acting out as oko uh talking about oko thief of crowns <laughs> and his like the character oko's opinion on the fact that he has a card that does this is so yeah that's an interesting <laughs> one i have uh, i have this 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 prop knife that makes like this wonderful sound when I un I did not think this was gonna be metal. Like it's I, I, I thought I was wearing a plastic knife, but I did I didn't I wasn't paying attention. Um so yeah, that's gonna be fun. Um I've also done Nissa a little bit. Like it hasn't been something I've been super motivated to do um in the pandemic just because like Right. Like what well, what even is there to it? Yeah. <laughs> The full interview can be found at mtgnexus.com. This has also been a busy month for competitive magic, right, Iso? Correct, Kit. Fresh off the Arena Open weekend, which had stupendous attendance, we've now seen the second Magic League weekend of the Kaldheim season. The Arena Open saw a lot of recognizable names participating at Kaldheim Limited. Daquan Watson, Dennis Stranjak, and MTG Nerd Girl are just some brief examples of players who said they had a great time and enjoyed the format. The Magic League weekend featured some of the best and brightest of the Magic Pro League going head-to-head -head over a two-day period. 
The format was standard. The field was fairly diverse overall, but Nyad Ventures held the majority of deck lists at 25%. Notable pros who used this deck are Otto Burchett, Javier Dominguez, and Reed Duke. World champion Paulo Vitor Dama de Rosa went with Manoway Agro, joined by Martin Duza. Standard really got to strut its stuff, and the pros were able to show us once again why they're the pros. Unlike other competitive weekends and events we see, the league weekend had a focus on standings, so the players involved competed through the entire event. This led to titanic matchups like PVDDR versus Reed Duke and Autumn Burchett against Brad Nelson. After the league weekend, the top five MPL members in order are PVDDR, Gabriel Nassif, Seth Manfield, and Brad Nelson tied for third place, and Martin Huza in fifth. In the Magic Rivals League, Stanislav Sivka leads the pack with Zachary Kine, Eli Cassis, and Matt Sperling all tied for second, and Christian Hawk in fifth. We can expect to see these and more at the Kaldheim Set Championship, March 26th to 28th. Kit. In a month of huge announcements across the world, WotC didn't want to be left out. Coming in 2022, Universes Beyond will explore non-Magic universes combined with Magic gameplay. So far, we know that Lord of the Rings and Warhammer 40k will be represented in this new format. This is another in the recent string of divisive announcements, causing a non-zero level of debate online. WotC has said their intent is to use both the Godzilla format we saw in Ikoria, which was mostly met with positive reactions, and the standalone format like the Walking Dead Secret Lair which was met with not-so-many positive reactions. We also know that these products will generally be sold anywhere normal products are sold, which should address one of the largest community sticking points, the inclusion of local game stores. We'll make sure to keep you updated on any developments. The story team is at it again! Rumblings in the community have come up regarding the way the Kaldheim story was resolved. Without posting direct spoilers, the story spotlight card, Kaya's Onslaught, depicts Kaya battling Vorinclex in the Tyrite Sanctum. There's just one problem with that. That scene never took place in the story. While Vorinclex and Kaya did battle each other. Not a single portion of that fight takes place in the Tyrite Sanctum. Readers are upset about this discrepancy, especially since the story spotlight cards are intended to do just that. Spotlight the story. After previous inconsistencies and backtracks, many Vorthoses have commented on their renewed frustration with this latest one. Remember, we've already seen complaints about inconsistencies between the cards and the story dating from War of the Spark. That's not to take away from the overall success of both the main and side stories. Those featuring Nico Aris were met with overwhelming support, and the other stories have been widely received as quite well done. Fans do wonder if we will see Nico regularly in the future. They've certainly been popular, but there have been many other popular characters who appear for only one set and vanish. We have two more controversies in the news this week. Because what would a week be in Magic without a controversy? A much shorter podcast. I'll give you that one. For the Strixhaven pre-release in the North American region... Draft booster boxes will not be available on pre-released weekend. Yes, that's right. It's set boosters only if you're pre-ordering boxes. The existence of the set booster is controversial in and of itself, with many players suggesting set boosters are unnecessary attempts to squeeze money from the customer base without providing real value. While Wizards has consistently denied having any plans to discontinue draft boosters, 
This is not calm some parts of the magic community. However, it is worth noting that some store owners have confirmed that interest in set booster boxes is at least as high as draft boosters, so it seems like it all comes down to player preference. It did not take long for this news to explode across the internet and dissolve into a number of wild rumors. Opinions of draft booster boxes being unavailable were very mixed. Draft boosters will still be provided as prize support for the pre-releases, and you can still buy boxes once full release starts. Incidentally, Wizards is suggesting that stores offer two prize packs a person, but only allocated 1.8 packs per person. Someone in allocations is clearly not a Quandrix student, because that math does not add up. The ratios of prize packs to pre-release kits are apparently skewed by the need to keep even numbers of all five colleges in the kits, but that's nothing new. It happens with every Ravnica set, so there should be a solution by now. They did suggest offering IOUs to the final 10% of sales, but that's an added hassle stores don't really need in these already difficult times. The buy a box promo cards still come with purchases of set, collector, and draft booster boxes, as well as any purchase of six pre-release packs. But if a lot of set boosters are purchased up front, that means there'll be fewer buy a box promos left when the draft booster boxes become available. The other controversy this week is more community-based, as several people who were given preview cards didn't actually post them. If you both don't mind, I'll take this one. Preview cards are a limited resource that are highly competitive to get. Being given a preview card drives traffic to content creators' websites and helps them build a brand. It can be really important for the smaller creators. Yet, several people who were given these rare and important resources didn't actually post them. This creates lost opportunities for other creators who really need the traffic a preview card drives. It's a sign of complacency with their place in this community, and is a slap in the face for content creators who scrape and claw their way through this field. Shame on each of you who did this. Let's close out the show with an exciting piece of good news. The professor of Tolarian Community College ran a fundraiser for Trans Lifeline, announcing that every multiple of $4 donated was one entry in a prize drawing. He started with two boxes of double masters to give away. And then a number of creators, collectors, and artists started offering more things for the prize pool. And it quickly mushroomed into something amazing. At the time of recording, the amount raised had surpassed $170,000. It's heartening to see the community come together like this, especially considering the last year we've all faced. The magic community so often has intolerance and scandal in the news. So it's nice to see such an outpouring of generosity. Trans Lifeline is an incredibly worthy cause run by and for trans people. Organizations like Trans Lifeline save lives every day. That's all this edition. See you next time. Same time, new news.